Church, we love to talk about Christmas and the joy and the peace that Christmas brings. We love to talk about the feelings. We love to talk about the blessing, which is Christmas. But today, I just wanted to take a few minutes before letting you go home and enjoy your families and talk about the life that Christmas wrecked. See, Christmas wrecked a few lives. That very first Christmas, we think about the true situation, the real feeling. I think sometimes we get caught up in that hallmark feeling moment where we think that it was such a cute and peaceful and joyful time for all involved. But when we look at this story, when we look at how Jesus really came to earth, man, it was scary. It was uncomfortable. It made some lives look completely different. And just for a few minutes, I wanted to look at the Christmas story from Joseph's perspective. See, you're just gonna have to forgive me, but as a new dad, I can't help but think about how Joseph must have felt in this entire situation. Let's look together at Matthew chapter one, verses 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. To put this into perspective, see, they're just typical Jewish young people. Mary was more than likely a teenager. Joseph was probably a man in his early 20s. When it says that they were betrothed, it's like engagement, but a little bit bigger of a deal. See, they had arranged marriages, and that arranged marriage would have looked something like this. When they were children, their parents pledged that they would give themselves to each other in marriage. That conversation had already been had, so now they are betrothed. And if they were to break off the engagement, it's not quite as easy as it is today. Betrothal was a formal, legal, binding thing. And so with that being said, in order for them to break off their their betrothal, their engagement, they would have to go through the same process as a divorce would be. So this is a big deal. Joseph is just trying to live this average life. I think that Joseph was a humble man. We don't know a whole lot about him, which I think is partly due to the fact that he didn't try to stand out. I think Joseph just tried to make it through life as obediently and as faithfully as he could, but I don't think he ever tried to make much of himself. I'm sure if you would have asked Joseph when he was in his early 20s what he wanted his life to look like, he would have probably said something along the lines of, I'd love to marry Mary. I'd love to get close with her and raise a great family. I'd love to stay where my fathers are. And in turn, what I'd like to do is just live a simple life as a carpenter or a craftsman. I think that would have been Joseph. But God did not allow Joseph's 
plans to be the plans in which came to be. Rather, God had something different in mind. And we talk about the peacefulness of this time, but I have a feeling that at this time, Joseph felt completely out of control. I'm not confident that Joseph felt complete peace. I don't think that Joseph had complete understanding. I don't think that there were warm, fuzzy feelings floating around in his belly. I think Joseph was scared out of his mind, trying to wake up every day, just being faithful to the calling that God had put before him. He has this simple, sweet wife that he expects he's going to spend the rest of his life with. And then one day she drops this bomb on him that an angel has appeared to her and told her that these things are happening. Now, we think that this angel coming to Mary shouldn't seem that far-fetched to Joseph, but I want for you guys to understand that the time where we had seen miracles previously had been hundreds of years in between the time where the angel came to Mary. Joseph didn't know anybody alive that was talking about angels speaking to them. Joseph didn't have a whole lot of stories about supernatural movements. He's really, really confused when Mary comes up with this story. And I don't believe he believed her because what he wanted to do was divorce her quietly. But yet, the angel appears to Joseph. And Joseph has to go back to Mary. Can you imagine that moment where Joseph has to knock on Mary's parents' house and say, hey, Mary, listen, I'm sorry I got mad. I'm sorry that I talked about wanting to divorce you. I know that that was upsetting. I know you just want for me to be with you right now. But now this angel has appeared to me too. Could you just imagine Mary's face? He did. Like I could just see her just in tears. Just he did. What, what, what was that like? And you know how when, you're, when you try to tell your wife stories, she wants every detail that you don't remember. You know what I'm talking about? Every single day. What was he wearing? What did he look like? Did he have his hair short or was it long? Was he blonde? Was he brunette? Yo, I don't know. I'm colorblind. I have no idea of any of these things. See, I'm sure she wanted all these details that Joseph couldn't give her. But in turn, they become united. They decide to live this life together. They decide to walk this path together, even though Joseph didn't have to. He chose to be obedient, even though that meant completely giving up his life as he knew it. One of my favorite verses is Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And Joseph's life was wrecked. He had lost his life as he knew it, but he had to let go of a few things. And today I want to hit three basic things I think we need to let go of in order to embrace Jesus, the gift that Jesus is. The first thing we have to do is we have to let go of being understood. We have to let go of being understood. The world is not going to understand us. The world didn't understand why Joseph would agree to marry a woman that they did not believe was a virgin and that they did not believe that Jesus was his son and they did not believe that he should be with her. They thought that he should go ahead and just divorce her quietly and restart, get another wife, go ahead and marry another woman and live that simple life that he wanted. He had to give up being understood. I want for you guys to think about this for a moment. The majority of the people around them did not believe that those angels appeared to them. They did not believe what they were going through. They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So in turn, what did they think Jesus was? Jesus was an illegitimate child. And so what happens? I think that Joseph had to endure years of years for the rest of his life, hearing people saying snippy things about his wife 
calling her all kinds of hurtful, hurtful names, saying horrible things about Jesus, the child he was raising, calling him all kinds of mean things. He is not going to be understood. Church, I think that as Christians, we have to recognize that we are truly committed to Christ. And I don't mean the tradition of going to church on the weekends. I mean the commitment to truly making much of Jesus, living up to the gospel as we are called to. We will not be understood. See, I think when we choose to be above average, when we choose to be exceptional for the glory of God and for the gospel of Christ, it's going to cause people to really look at us with some weird, weird thoughts. People are going to have questions about why we are choosing to make life so much more difficult than what it has to be. Why we choose to live life harder than it needs to be. Or why we are avoiding sin when sin is so much fun to indulge in and it's really not that big of a deal. Do you guys see how the world looks at us? But when we embrace the gospel, we have to choose to also embrace the fact that we will not be understood. See, here's what's crazy to me. Even we see scripture where the brothers and sisters of Jesus didn't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So what did that mean? That meant that Joseph's own children thought that Joseph was a liar. Do you guys think about that? See, Joseph had told all of his kids undoubtedly about what they went through, about the angel that came to him, about the fact that their older brother Jesus was not his, but was the son of God who was coming to be the savior of the world. And when we see scriptures that says that his own siblings didn't believe him, it also shows that they didn't believe their father. Do you recognize how much hurt and pain that was? He's turning around and saying there is a savior and his own kids don't believe what he's saying. Church, when we embrace Jesus wholeheartedly, we will be understood. He had to let go of that, but he also had to let go of his future. He had to let go of his future. See, he had this plan, but God laughs at our plans, doesn't he? See, God had a different plan for Joseph, and as soon as Jesus was born, what happened? Joseph had another dream. Joseph had another dream where an angel came to him and said, listen, you are going to be persecuted. People want to come out and kill Jesus. So you guys need to flee to Egypt for two years to hide out for a while. See, all of a sudden he goes to sleep again, has another dream, and he's told he has to move away from everything that he knows, the land that he's comfortable with, the culture that he's familiar with. Church, if I were Joseph, I would never go to sleep again. Every time this guy takes a nap, a dream happens, and his life is changed completely. And all of a sudden, he has to be obedient, and he turns around and he goes to Egypt, a group of people that did not believe in God, they did not believe in Jesus, they did not believe that he was the savior and they didn't care and so he's going to a group of people with no family completely unsupported once again most likely mocked and ridiculed by the people that his stepson half-son came to save church when I look at James chapter 4 verse 13 I smile because James is the half-brother of Jesus aka the son of Joseph and he writes this, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
And see, what I find so interesting about this is that I have a feeling that Joseph might have influenced James writing here. Because what Joseph knew is that your plans don't matter. God's plans are not our plans. His ways and his thoughts are not our ways and our thoughts. His ways are so much higher than ours, and we have to submit to those every time. Following Jesus means there will be disruptions in our life. There will be disruptions in our life. And so many of you guys have thought that your disruptions need to be fixed or removed, but I don't think you recognize that often God puts disruptions in our life that is the will of the Lord for us to be obedient to, for us to walk through. And some of you guys have mistaken disruptions in your life as inconveniences or disruptions in your life as things that weren't from the Lord, but maybe God is disrupting your life because he wants to shake you just a little bit to reset you so he can point you in the direction that he has called you to go. I think sometimes when we're in the holiday season, it's so easy to feel different emotions. We can often feel loneliness. It's often, often a great time of self-reflection. And sometimes I think it's really, really easy to feel depressed or lonely in this time. And saying that, I think it's a good time for us to evaluate what God wants us to do with ourselves for the next year. What God wants for us to do with ourselves for the rest of our lives. What God wants for us to do with ourselves with the little bit of life that he's guaranteed that we have left. Church, we don't know how long we get to live for Jesus, but here's what I do know. I know I wanna live today for Jesus because I have today to do it. Church, when we look at Joseph, he had to let go of so much, but also I love this, he had to let go of his results. Joseph had to let go of results. He has to go to Egypt, which is rough. And in turn, while he's in Egypt, he's probably having to do who knows what in order to make a living for his family. And then he comes back into the Jewish groups of people and he finds himself with the people that do not accept him. And what Joseph has to recognize is that he is called to be obedient. He is not called to make this work. He is not called to make this successful. He is simply called to be obedient to every step that Jesus has called him to. And all he's been told to do is raise this child humbly and faithfully and leave the results up to the Lord. He had a let go of results. If you look at Joseph's life, you might call it a failure. See, Joseph didn't have that typical Jewish life that so many people were looking for, but rather he had a life that was so different. Joseph died at, we think, an early age. We don't see him in scripture much after the story of Jesus' birth. We see him again in the temple, but then after that, we never see him in Jesus' earthly ministry. And what I think is interesting about that is I believe that Joseph never got to see his work come to fruition. I don't think that Joseph ever saw Jesus do big miracles. I don't think that Joseph ever saw Jesus do anything great or heal anybody or on the cross. I don't think he ever got to look at people in the eyes and go, do you see that I was right? Do you see that I wasn't lying? Do you see that I was doing just what God told me to do? Joseph never got that opportunity. But the results weren't up to Joseph. That wasn't Joseph's responsibility. But rather what Joseph got to do is see something pretty incredible that nobody else understood. He got to see Jesus being laid in that manger. One last thing, and I'll leave you with this. What we want to understand about the Christmas time is I see so much similarities between the birth of Christ and the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. See, when Jesus came, we love to talk about how he was put into a manger, but a lot of historians want to say this now, that stable was more than likely a cave, and that 
cave more than likely had a manger, but that manger typically wasn't made out of wood, but rather it was a part of the cave that was hollowed out a little bit that they could put grain and hay on for the animals to eat on. And so in turn, Jesus was most likely laid on a stone. And saying that, here's what I picture. I picture this baby being wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed on the stone in a cave. And then a few years later, we see these magi come in. And what do they do? They bring all of these gifts and presents for Jesus. But what were many of them? They were elements that would in turn be used for the embalming of Jesus after his death. See, everything was pointing to this cute baby dying for the very people that were caring for him. And while Joseph never got to see the results on this side of heaven, what we do know is Joseph knew and believed what the results would be. And he worked so faithfully in order to make sure that he did his part. Church, here's what I want for us to recognize. I don't know what God's calling on your life is. And I think every one of our callings looks so different. But here's what I wanna ask you to do. I want you to ask, I wanna ask you to abandon your idea of what your life should look like and fully embrace what God is calling you to do. Embrace it humbly. And in turn, I ask you to do this. I ask you to give the results to God and simply commit yourself to perfect obedience. See, a lot of times when God calls us to do something, we don't feel like it's working out the way that we want. We often go ahead and quit because the results aren't what we figured they should be. Well, hey, if God really called me to do this, then we would be more successful. See, your version of success and God's version of success isn't the same. I think there's some parents in this room that might need to hear that today. Your version of success and God's version of success isn't the same. Maybe some of you guys need to hear today as parents that, hey, your job is to love, love, love your kid and love Jesus and show them the love of Jesus and express to them how important it is that they follow after the Lord, but the results aren't up to you. Maybe some grandparents need to hear that. Maybe you need to hear that in your job. Maybe you are working faithfully and serving, but you are not getting where you need to be. You feel like you're being mistreated. You serve, you love, you're obedient to the Lord and you leave the results up to our heavenly Father. Church, I think the biggest thing we have to remember as Christians is the example that we see in Matthew, starting with Joseph. The importance of being willing to let go and to let God be in complete control. Hey, in a moment, I'm gonna make myself available. If you have any questions about the gospel, if you have any questions about letting go of control of your life in order that Christ can come, can come in and be Lord and Savior, would you come and talk to me? The altar will be open for prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to make much of you. God, I pray that as we look into your word and we see the example that is Joseph, God, I pray that you will help us to realize that we too must be willing to let go of everything in order to pursue you, to not make much of ourselves, to not make much of fame, to not make much of plaudits, but rather, Lord, to make much of pursuing you boldly and being obedient to that, God. I pray that you will bless us as we do everything we can to serve you. Oh, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Church.